When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, uh, it's been a minute. We're still here. How are you doing? Yeah, we're going to recap a bowl game tonight that's over a month old. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. We figured, yeah, you know, we, we wanted to make sure we waited until uh, things kind of calmed down. Everyone moves on from college football and then we bring it back, you know, because now is now is the time to be recapping these bowl games. It felt like it made sense from a uh, content management standpoint. Isn't that right, Producer Scott? <laughs> Thumbs up. Beautiful. We uh, yeah, I mean, national championship was a week and a half ago. Joey, congratulations to your Georgia Bulldogs. Gross. Gross. I won like eleven dollars. I won like eleven dollars betting yeah. Georgia money line in the national title game. So that was great. I made fifty dollars nice. continuously live betting the quarter lines. So it was good. <laughs> yeah, you saw that game and going away that just, it did pretty early. Uh, you know, it's pretty easy to make some money I on just, it. <laughs> I just I bet TCU plus. 13 and a half which was dumb and then i just let it ride i didn't cash out i just let it go to zero and then it was what 60 was the finals worth 65 to 7 so i believe so yeah great glad yeah. i did that stupid stupid when did, stupid, when, stupid the game is won at the line of scrimmage yeah when did you turn the game off i had the game on the entire time I stopped paying attention basically middle of the second quarter. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I um, um I yeah. was ready to turn it off, and then I finally did turn it off after there was the uh, interception that led to a really quick touchdown right before halftime. I think made it like 31 to 7, 38 to 7, something like that. That's correct. I was like I was like, "Oh, no, we're good." Turned it off. And uh I I checked the score a couple more times in the second half they just scored. You know, Kind of like a, a hate checking kind of thing, um, but no, I I did not have the TV on after that. Yeah, they they scored like three times in three and a half minutes or something like that right before halftime. Yeah, and it was it like, was no, nah, this is over. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. yeah, no, I had on the ba I had on the background for second half just to say it was on, and I it was like national championships, last college football game of the year. I understand why you turned it off early. But mm -hmm. I. Was, uh, I I just was like, this is the last college football game of the year. I got to tough it out. And it was mm -hmm. getting really, really hard when it was like 55 to it was like fifty five to 7 or whatever it was. I was like, man, do I really need to do this to myself? Yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I almost never will do this in the national title game because, like you said, I mean, last game of the year. But, like, that particular game, watching those particular teams and how bad that was going, I was like, I, just, I don't need this in my life right now. Like, we're good. Uh, but, you know. Yeah. Anyways, um, part of why I turned it off, too, was we were dealing with putting, uh, putting the toddler to bed, which is related to why this has taken so long to get recorded, by the way, um, between a couple of different like personal ailments and just like parenting and some burnout at the end of the season. So we do apologize for the delay here. This was not ever like the intended timeline for doing this. It's just kind of the way that it worked out. But uh, we are here now. Uh, we do have some news that we're going to cover here first, and then we will recap bowl games briefly after that. Um, Mike, let's dive in. There have been some uh, some interesting developments, I think, across the ACC since we last talked, which was back, you know, a couple days before Christmas, I think. Uh, so, yeah, some things have happened. The big one that stuck out to me was it was a few days after the national title game. I, th I want to say it was a Friday, maybe, and it was like – at like two o'clock, it hit Twitter that Clemson was firing their offensive coordinator, Brandon Streeter, which was kind of unexpected because I think we said that that was the first time that Dabo has fired a coach 
since firing um, Kevin Steele, his defensive coordinator, after the 70-33 to 33 Orange Bowl that you know led to hiring Brent Venables all those years ago. This is the first time that Clemson has fired an assistant coach since then. So a few days after the season's over, like coaching convention's over, all this, Dabo fires Brandon Streeter, and then within like two hours after that, it was, oh, they're going to hire Garrett Riley, offensive coordinator of the TCU Horn Frogs, you know, and a little brother of Lincoln Riley for what that's worth. Uh, this this kind of came out of nowhere, but it seems like it was a a well executed move. And Mike, I think this is a brilliant brilliant move for Dabo Swinney. And I might need to go back and revisit a couple of my takes on on him and where the Clemson program is after he's making a move like this. No, 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 no. You don't. You don't. Okay. You don't. So, because sell me that the the premise the premise of you saying what you said was that Dabo was not going to make a change like this. Right. Right. Yeah, and, th- and that's that's what I'm saying is so, that, that that was kind of the. The caveat in all of it was I didn't think he was going to make the change, and if not, it was going to be a problem. Now that he is making the change, I do think this this changes the trajectory. This might well put Clemson back on you know a national title adjacent path that they had been on you know through most yes. of the 2010s. Right. No. No. Agree. We just didn't think he would do this. Right. Right. Like the issues that we've talked about the last couple of years with Clemson is you know okay. Hiring from within, no new ideas in the room. Um, they're struggling, you know, playmaking a wide receiver. But is it really like, is it a recruiting problem or is it a player development problem? Um, we've talked about all that stuff. We've talked about his lack of diving into transfer portal, which he still really hasn't done, right? So we'll kind of see how that evolves now. But this is a big deal. Brandon Streeter was a part of the Clemson program for the better part of the last 15 years in some capacity. He's been there a mm-hmm. long time, right? This is someone who has been with Dabo basically every step of the way, and he fires him. That's significant, right? And I thought it was interesting in the press release, too, that Dabo mentioned that Clemson's offense had improved this year, which I agree with. It had improved, but not to the level that it needed to for Dabo to feel good about retaining Brandon Streeter. So I agree with all that. I also have pointed out, and you've pointed out, that this offensive scheme kind of sucked with Streeter, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it was not exactly... It It was basically the same thing that Chad Morris installed back in 2011. Yeah. Short passes running the quarterback like heavy into the ground and you know what like I'm watching Clemson's bowl game we'll talk about Clemson Tennessee here in a bit I'm watching Clemson's bowl game and everybody is just like gushing over Kate Klubnick and he kind of struggled in that game and the offense kind of looked pretty much exactly the same as it had all year and I'm like man it's not the quarterback it's the scheme and we've been Mm -hmm. telling we've been telling people that telling people that Bringing in Garrett Riley is significant. Like, it is significant because he has shown the ability to, at TCU, where they've recruited fine at TCU, Mm -hmm. but they're not, they haven't had the talent at TCU that Clemson's had. Mm -hmm. They, They haven't recruited to that level. And we saw what Garrett Riley did with that offense this year, national championship game notwithstanding. And I think this is a huge hire. This is a gigantic mm-hmm. hire. And I'm with you. I think this definitely changes the trajectory kind of back to where we've, you know, come to expect Clemson to be under Dabo. And I think this was a move that Dabo had to make, right? And everybody likes to criticize Dabo Swinney, like, you know, he just like woke up on third base or something. It's that's not really what's happened, right? Like Dabo built this program. He's not a dumb guy. Like, he definitely did some, you know, it was a a period of introspection, I'm sure, following the season. Like, Mm kind of looking at it and being like, you know, this offense is still kind of holding us back a little bit. And I was was working on something for Sports Illustrated, and I was writing something about Trevor Lawrence being undefeated on Saturdays. And I was looking back at some of the scores from, uh, yeah, it it was a long post about, like, every game he's ever won on Saturdays. But... I was looking at some of the scores of the Clemson games, even when like Trevor Lawrence was a freshman and not as, I mean, Lawrence was good, but he wasn't like 
the quarterback he was like as a sophomore, for example. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the stats. I'm looking at how many points Clemson's put. Clemson was putting up like 55 points a game for like a, oh, the yeah. entire month of October that year. Like I wiping mean, they were, the floor with the entire ACC. They were beating the hell out of everybody. They were beating everybody they played by like they they beat Carolina by like two, and then they beat like everybody else by forty. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the schedule, and I'm like, this Clemson offense has not been good for that good for a while, and it really just kind of shows you how far they fell off. You know, we talked about War Machine Clemson. They haven't been War Machine Clemson in now like three years, and I think bringing mm-hmm. Garrett Riley back into the fold, I think this is huge for Kate Klubnik. Like that, that's my biggest takeaway. Huge for Klubnik because. Max Duggan wasn't even the starter at TCU to start the year. Take it to the club level. Wasn't even the starter at, at TCU to start the year. He finished second in the Heisman. Mm-hmm. So I, this is this is huge for Clemson. I mean, it's, it's a gigantic hire. Real smart by Dabo. He needed to do it. And I didn't think he would, but he pulled the trigger big time. Agree. I, I, I don't know that it's a silver bullet necessarily. Like this can't possibly fail and it's going to you know for sure make everything better but like it does seem like Cade Klubnik might end up being a little bit of an upgrade over what DJU was um scheme wise Mm -hmm. like I said I mean this thing had gotten really stale this thing was was basically exactly what Chad Morris had installed 11 12 years ago I don't know that it had evolved like at all and maybe had even you know devolved a little bit you know through simplification or whatever it's like this thing was not really fooling anybody. They weren't scheming anybody open. It, didn't, it seemed like everybody knew what they were going to do. Um, there were still some development issues, I think, you know, between wide receiver and offensive line, like we've talked about. But, man, I think upgrading to Garrett Riley, at offensive coordinator, a guy who's, who previously spent time, you know, he was only at TCU for one year, previously spent a couple of years at SMU, uh, I believe with Sonny Dykes. So he, he's worked with him for a few years, uh, and I, I just – I think that's an upgrade. I think Kate Klubnik's an upgrade. This is a big deal for Clemson. Um, this, <clears throat> I was honestly, I'll be real honest with you, and I'll just you know kind of pull back the curtain here a little bit. I was cooking up a take, uh, just so that you know, on, during this little <laughs> off time, I was cooking up a take that I thought that Florida State was going to win the ACC next year. Oh, I might yeah, need to walk that back. <laughs> I might need to walk I... <laughs> that back a little bit, depending on how this goes. Right. Agree. Agree. So I yeah I, I think this is huge for Clemson like you said I I was not thinking that they were going to do this I thought that Dabo was just kind of getting to the point of being you know it, it's I don't know it's like it's like your grandparents like you know you want to try to teach you know the old dog new tricks and it's like you just kind of can't um, I, I felt like Dabo was getting a little bit into old dog new trick territory which I think lines up with the whole transfer portal thing and like basically everything else about the way that he runs the Clemson program but um, right you know. I, you know, credit to him, kudos, you know, I I think this is a huge upgrade, a huge, a huge win for them. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it fully pays off. You know, if they are obviously with the, with the expanded playoff coming, I mean, they, they figure to be in the playoff mix more years than, uh, than not, but especially now, I think this, this puts them in a position to modernize their offense and get back to that level of, of dominance within the conference. Yeah. Yeah. I, 85-year-old Dabo traded his, like, 1992 Honda for a f***ing Ferrari. Sorry. <laughs> Grab that. Um, this is a this is a big-time upgrade. Big-time upgrade. It is. Sorry. It is. That just came out. Woo. Well, you know. You get, you, you, these things build up over the weeks that we don't record, so you've you got to let it out. Yeah. <laughs> Credit to for Clemson. sponsors, maybe. Yeah. That's, that's right. They love that stuff. They love that stuff. Uh, Mike, we had some additional news, um, and I'm just going to like. Obviously, the transfer portal has become a, a total um, focal point of the sport and the way that you know people build rosters. Obviously, that was a massive storyline with TCU, and um, you know has has continued to become so within the sport. We've had some transfer portal related news, and and we'll really boil this down to I think three really interesting moves that we've we've had some re- resolution on um, over the past few weeks. We mentioned in the last show that Devin Leary uh, from NC State, he was officially going to be transferring to Kentucky. Felt like that was a little bit of a you know interesting decision, interesting move. Good luck to him. That left a little bit of a void at NC State. We thought you know figured MJ Morris, you know um, potentially even Ben Finley or whoever you know would be able to to fill that role. Well, it turns out new offensive coordinator Robert and I 
had a uh, another ace up, you know, ace in the hole, another uh, you know card up his sleeve. He they get the transfer of one Brennan Armstrong coming from Charlottesville, uh, going to go reunite with Robert and I in Raleigh. I assume for just one year. Um, I, I'll say this: I think Armstrong has one year of eligibility left, but like. I'm starting to not think that eligibility is a real thing. Like I think everybody's always eligible for one more year. So, um, you know, whatever, just go do your thing. But, um, yeah, Brennan Armstrong headed to Raleigh to, uh, to be the quarterback for NC state. I'm assuming he'll be the starter, not MJ Morris this year, but who, you know, maybe it's an open competition. I don't know. Um, going to be weird when NC state goes to Charlottesville this fall. I believe that's happening. So, uh, that'll be fun. And, uh, but all in all, I mean, that, you figure with the way that that went at Virginia a couple of years ago, that's a uh, that's a huge win for NC State. Yeah, who's playing quarterback at UVA this year? Like Matt Johns, something <laughs> like that. Uh, oh, damn it! I'm, if we're gonna play the Virginia quarterback name game, I'm losing badly here. Um, I mean, I just named I named a really good one. Yeah. Not, not a good quarterback, just a good name. Let's be clear. Yeah, uh, there was another one. Um, Kurt Benkert, that one. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think it's Kurt Benkert. Kurt Benkert. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Grayson Lambert. Okay. Gross. <laughs> Michael Rocco. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We're back to 2011 uh, on cfbstats.com. Anyways, please continue. Okay, yeah. <laughs> wow. Those... We didn't name a good quarterback out of those four, did we? <laughs> Power ranking those guys. Anyways, that's a different show. We'll do later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is this is like a lateral move for NC State, isn't it? I think it's an upgrade. I think Armstrong is more proven than anyone that they held, anyone else that they had in their quarterback room. No, 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 no. I mean, relative to Devin Leary. Oh. Um. Yeah, probably. I mean, different skill sets. Armstrong's more mobile than than Devin Leary was. Leary probably a little bit more of a refined passer. Um, and Leary also, I mean, I know Leary had better stats this year, you know, before he got hurt than Armstrong. I know Armstrong's stat line this year was not very good, but I think you kind of put them both in like their perfect scenario, right? Their perfect state. Mm-hmm. I think I'm I'm with you. It's it's a different skill set. I am wondering how different the offense is going to look now under an eye. Like I think MJ Morris is a good fit for that NC State offense whenever he eventually takes over if he stays there, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's not I mean, Brian Armstrong, you know, you're not transferring there to be the backup. So, I do anticipate he'll be the starter. I think it'll be probably a pretty good thing for Dave Doran to instead of going from you know a kid who basically played like three games and mj morris you're going to you know a proven quarterback and brand armstrong and you're returning a pretty good team next year i, I think that's probably playing into the equation a bit as well to mm-hmm. take on that transfer yeah I, I i will say um i think something to keep an eye on is as you mentioned i mean that nc state offense so with with tim beck leaving with robert and i coming in you, I feel like that should look a little different schematically. Um, what Anaya is going to do versus what Beck was doing, and I think what I'm what I'm trying to say, I think, is that if it doesn't look all that different, I think that speaks a little bit to maybe some potential micromanagement from Dave Doran. Um, mm-hmm. That thing should look different under Anaya than it did under Beck, and if it doesn't, it tells us something about about the way that the program is being managed. I think. Um, but I do think that that familiarity, you know, between Anai and Armstrong, you know, it was I think I believe it was a couple of years that they were kind of the OC quarterback tandem in Charlottesville. That, um, I mean, th- those guys the way that they know each other, they know what each other likes, they like to do, they're good at what they don't like to do. I, I just think that familiarity goes a long way, um, and, and I think it just puts NC State in a good position here moving forward. You know, especially first year under new offensive coordinator, I think that that's a that's a big deal. I I'm with you though on, on, you know, you can ask the question of does MJ Morris stick around? Um, he's a guy who was a pretty well-regarded recruit. And as with, you know, the way that quarterbacks go these days, if he's not looking like he's going to be the starter, well, I guess it's time to transfer. Um, right. I have opinions on all that, but that's neither here nor there, but, 
uh, in any case, yeah, it looks like Armstrong, Brendan Armstrong likely to be starting in Raleigh next year for the uh, NC State Wolfpack. Yeah, hold, yeah, I, I'd say just hold on to those opinions. We don't want to get canceled by BetUS. Okay? <laughs> well, you already took care of that with a certain four-letter F word here a few minutes ago, so yeah, that, well, that's, that's fine. True. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Scott, Scott already took care of that. It's fine. That's right. Thank you, Producer Scott. Uh, what did I do? Okay. You took care of it in post-production. This is one of these confusing timeline movie things of, you know, we'll figure it out later. Anyways, uh, Mike, speaking of quarterbacks reuniting with their offensive coordinators, uh, Boston College's uh, Phil Dracovic, we got a transfer destination for him. He's heading to Pittsburgh to reunite with Frank Signetti Jr. Um, thought that was an interesting move. I He was a guy, the way that we talked about him, thought about him a couple of years ago, um, I thought he might go somewhere else, you know, somewhere a little bit more uh, I don't know, high profile. Sorry, Pitt fans. Not, it's maybe not a nice thing to say, but, um, you know, he's a guy that I would have thought would be, you know, looking at one of those real, like, blue blood programs, um, and instead he's going to go f- likewise for the uh, the familiar face in Frank Signetti Jr. Could have played at blue blood. <laughs> now he's playing at Pittsburgh. <laughs> they do have a really oh. pretty shade of blue that goes on their uniform, so, I mean. God. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, that's good for Pitt, I think. Um, I think they'll be able to protect him and uh, you know work around him in an offense a lot better than maybe what was going on in, in Chestnut Hill. Yeah, I mean, I, I think probably a good move for Jakovic to get away from Jeff Halfley. Might be. Man, we've had a very up-and-down uh, you know, roller coaster viewpoints on Jeff Halfley. Like speaking, yeah, I was gonna say. Speaking of takes, I've been cooking up. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think Jerkovic is the beneficiary of hmm. getting away from Boston College. Interesting. I don't disagree. I think I think you're probably right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, do you have a opposing uh, viewpoint on that? No, I don't. No, I think you're no. right. Okay. Um, that's a really good move for Pittsburgh too. By the way, I think that's that's a a solid yeah. quarterback. I think that's an upgrade from Keaton Slovis. For what that's worth. Jesus, God. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> if not, you've got bigger problems. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not hes not Kenny Pickett, but he's in kind of the same uh, mold in terms of a little bit mobile, decent arm. Just hope he can be Sun Bowl Nick Patty. Um, we'll get there. But <laughs> Christ, again. <laughs> My God. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't record in a few weeks. Um, Sun Bowl Nick Patty. Sun Bowl Nick Patty. <laughs> it happens to be the best quarterback in the history of the conference. Yeah, exactly. It turns out. He's uh yeah. Michael Vick and um you know Philip Rivers all in one, basically. Like Van- Vanilla Vick, as they were calling uh <laughs> Brennan Armstrong in Charlottesville. <laughs> well, at least he was left handed. But Yeah. That was absurd. Don't you put that name on him. That's my man Danny Dimes out there, Duke <laughs> Legend. <laughs> <Danny> <laughs> NFC divisional playoff participant, Danny Dimes. Oh, they're divisional round participants now. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Speaking of things we're I co- can't believe. We're covered this going. week, baby. We're covered. <laughs> covered. Seven covered. and a half. Cover it. I don't know what to say to that. Anyways. Um, <laughs> we just talked about uh, the Giants covering the spread against the Eagles. Right. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I don't. I don't understand the it NFC East as well as you do, I don't think. Well, it, it ties Daniel into this Dimes, conversation. Duke, ACC, right. mm-hmm. here we are. Yes. Right. And we also White talked Mike. about yeah. a game, White Mike. Also, we talked about a game that includes a team called the Eagles, and we're talking about a quarterback transferring away from the Eagles. That is true. Okay. I see I see the cross. I see why we got down that ditch now. That makes that's, sense. That makes yes. Sense. That's, that's why we're <laughs> – yes. Good for Pitt. Um, speaking of, like, who's playing quarterback – Who's playing quarterback for Boston College next year? What is going on Dennis there? Dennis Grossell. Oh, no. I'm just kidding. Is he still there? A man named Dennis. He's got to be retired is now. Is he still there? Was he Was he the backup this year? Or was that last year? Who played for like half the year when Dracovic was out? Oh, it was Emmett Moorhead. A man named Emmett. That's right. I like Emmett how Boston College year. is going to have starting quarterbacks for two years named Phil, Emmett, and Dennis. Like, it's quite the lineup. It sounds like your local doctor's office. <laughs> uh, that'll work. That'll work. One more quarterback right. transfer, Mike, was Sam Hartman 
transferring from Wake Forest to Notre Dame. And I told you I had a potentially tragic take on that. Um, of- it was tragic. <laughs> please don't please don't repeat it on this podcast. Okay. All right. I'll save you. I'll spare you. I think your exact words – actually, I don't want to say what your exact words were because that would be misrepresenting a text from three weeks ago. But I think you said something along the lines of, are we sure Sam Hartman is even good? <laughs> to which I responded with, Pretty much for yes. I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, yes, Sam Hartman is good. We can talk about whether he's great. He is good. I think what I meant by that, there was a couple things I kind of meant by that. Number one, like we've talked about the how good that scheme for Dave Clawson is. You know, the play calling and the scheme and, and just the coaching there um, is excellent. And his receiving core has been really, really good to throw to for the last like three years. By the way, might be better than the receiving core that Notre Dame is running out there. So there's that. Um, the other thing is that Sam Hartman also has had moments where like games just completely spiral out of control on him. Um, I I don't know how or why, like he, he'll be really good for like three, four, five weeks in a row. And then he'll have a game that is just horrific. Um, and you just, you can't really see it coming. So I, I think that's a little bit of what I'm saying is I don't know that he, you know, I realize that he is, he has been really good. He has won a lot of games. Um, he's played a lot of football, like all that stuff. And is, is, is he one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC? Yeah, I think he was um, in the last couple of years. But is he, you know, like, is he like a Heisman candidate? Is he going to fix Notre Dame's problems on offense? Like, I don't know if it's like that much of a, uh, a for sure thing. I think there's still some flaws there that uh, we'll have to see, you know, if they get remedied there in South Bend in his final year. What I assume is his final year, but once again, eligibility is not real. You said uh... – I have I have something I need to say here. <laughs> okay. You said that Sam Hartman, he does this thing where he has like five good games and one bad game. Not a bad game, like a horrendous game. Like, horrible. You know what we're going to call that? You know what we're calling that? Pretty good. It's it's the, <laughs> Yes, we're calling it the reverse Rozier, right? It's basically <laughs> like <laughs> where Bleak Rozier had like five really bad games and then one like outstanding game and it left us scratching our head. And then he went back to going like, Five for twenty Ugh. for like seventy-five yards and three picks. Shout out to Miami. That was a that was a time. That was a moment in time. The reverse, <laughs> the reverse Rosier. Reverse Rosier. Yes, I like that. Um, I think Hartman. I think Hartman will be good at Notre Dame. This is the um, this is the best offensive line he's probably ever had. Probably, yeah. Wake's offensive line wasn't so, bad. Wasn't bad, but Notre Dame will Notre be Dame's. better. Right. Um, yeah, like Notre Dame's consistently pushing out, pushing out pros, right? First and second Wake's round draft picks, yeah. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's an upgrade there. I think point taken on the receiving core, because, like, Wake has had some dudes in the receiving room. Mm-hmm. Like, like <laughs> best in the ACC or, like, top two in the ACC yeah. in terms of, like, receiving cores. Um, so, I do think it's probably going to be a step down at Notre Dame in terms of the receiving core, at least relative to what Notre Dame's been fielding the last couple of years outside. I think a big reason why Notre Dame struggled is a lot of the reason why Clemson struggled too. It's they don't have the dudes at wide receiver, mm-hmm. where, you know, Notre Dame had Michael Mayer, and then when he, <laughs> he doesn't play, it's like, what in the world is happening? Yeah. So, hopefully, Hartman has some receivers to throw to. Uh, Got Caleb Smith from Virginia Tech, who's a, a good receiver, but like you need like five stars on the outside. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, so, I mean when, when your best offensive weapon is a tight end, and that's like that's your best weapon by a comfortable margin. It's not the best sign for a, for a program that is trying to get into the playoff and like compete for a national title. Like that isn't going to cut it. Yeah, Notre Dame went from like having having dudes like at running back and receiver and not having the dudes in the trenches to now having dudes in the trenches and not having anything at running back and receiver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they went backwards. They went backwards. Just totally flipped um, the entire script. And they're basically back to square one. So they got to figure that out. But yeah. I think Hartman helps. Hartman helps a quarterback. He's an upgrade from Drew Pine. I think he's an upgrade from Buckner. I, again, this is another I'll quarterback room discussion, right, where it's like MJ Morris and NC State, what does he do? What does Tyler Buckner do, right? Because he... MJ Morris, highly touted recruit. Buckner was almost a five star, so mm-hmm. decent player. Got hurt. Um, played in the bowl game. Played well in the bowl game. 
you know, what does he do now? Because Hartman's not going to come in to play backup. Right. So do you stick around for another year and then not play till you're a redshirt junior or whatever he's going to end up being? I don't know. I don't know if that's how it works. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch. Because, um, yeah, I mean, they've, they've got names in that, that quarterback room and how they manage it. I, I, I'm with you. I assume that Sam Hartman is the starter there. I mean, a lot of the college football world made it a, a pretty big deal about it when he announced he was transferring there. <laughs> like, I think yeah. everyone expects him to be the starter. So, yeah, what, what does everyone else do? I don't know. Right. Right. I don't know. Anyways. Mike, that's that's the news that we wanted to cover. Um, obviously, as we said, I mean, there's a there's a ton more transfers that have gone on out there. Um, I could mention that Jeff Sims transferred to Nebraska and Haynes King transferred from Texas A&M to Georgia Tech. Like, I'll I'll just briefly mention that. But like, there's so much here within this conference that we could get into and mess with. But um, it is a lot to keep up with. We don't always have great analysis on every single one of these moves, and um, honestly, it's just a lot to try to keep up with. So. Maybe we'll get into that at some point later in the offseason, you know, looking at some of the transfers that have come in and out. But we will uh, we will pass on that for now. One last thing on Sam Hartman. Wake mm-hmm. Forest travels to South Bend on Notre Dame's senior day this year, November 18th. <laughs> oh, baby. Oh, baby. I'm betting he walked on oh. Wake's senior day, too, huh? Oh, my God. <laughs> that is awesome. Um yeah, as mentioned, NC State plays at Virginia this year. And then I need to figure out, does, does Pitt host – or does Pitt play Boston College yet? Um, let's see. Let's Google the schedule. This is good podcasting. 2023 Pitt schedule. They do get Boston College at Acrisure Stadium. All right, so Boston College is yeah. going to come in and see their old quarterback. <laughs> At least they don't Hell have to go yeah. to Chestnut Hill on that. So, anyways. Good times. Good times. Mike, you want to recap some bowl games? Let's uh, – I mean, we got to check the box. <laughs> let's see what we can remember. Before we do that, real quick, let's remind the people about Section103.com. It is the Internet's premier place to buy all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. They have T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, uh, something for men, women, children, something for the whole family. Uh, we are now past Christmas, so no Christmas gifts. But if you want Valentine's Day gifts, I know where to get them. It's at section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, love all of my Section 103. been wearing it constantly over the last several weeks. Um, I've got this uh, performance Georgia Tech shirt on right now. They've got all the official word marks, things in the official Tech Gold, things with the official ATL logo. All those great things at section103.com. And once again, use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order of wonderful, high-quality, great-looking Georgia Tech apparel at section103.com. Mike, let's do these in uh, the same order that we previewed them in, in, uh, in chronological order, starting with the one that happened the furthest back. <laughs> if you recall, the ACC's bowl season started on December 17th. It was the Wasabi Fenway Bowl as the Louisville Cardinals defeated the Cincinnati Bearcats 24-7. to this was a game we felt like was a bad spot for Louisville. It was an ultra weird game, by the way, with Scott Satterfield having left Louisville. Uh, these two teams playing on a baseball field, sharing a sideline. Um, there's just all sorts of weirdness here. Um, it, it definitely, I, I thought that Louisville was going to be, you know, less motivated to come out and play than Cincinnati. Uh, that was not true. Louisville came out, took it to Cincinnati a little bit, uh, absolutely just like ran it down their throats. They, they, I think they tried to throw it a little bit. It didn't really go great. Uh, Brock Duman threw an interception. Um, that's all fine. But Maurice Turner goes 31 carries for 160 yards, and Jawar Jordan goes nine carries for 115 yards and two scores. Um, so huge day for Louisville on the ground. I was surprised that they were able to run the ball as well as they could against that Cincinnati defense. But again, questions now in my mind about Cincinnati's, you know, how much do they care about that game? And uh, I don't know, just a weird game, but a good win for Louisville. Cincinnati got bludgeoned up front. Mm-hmm. I mean, both sides of the ball. It was big yikes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. Yep. They had they had a hard time. Louisville had seven sacks in this game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Cincinnati just could not throw the ball. Evan Prater was 7 of 15 for 83 yards and a touchdown pass. He was sacked seven times, like I just mentioned. Um, running game, <laughs> non-sack adjusted, it was uh, 74 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. on 
on 25 carries, so not very good. Not great. Uh, so yeah, they they had a really really hard time. Yeah. Um, it was yeah it, it was bad. So Cincinnati went, ran the ball really well. Cincinnati went two for 13 on third down, um, and just in general, like, I mean, they couldn't do a whole lot of anything on offense. Louisville's defense was pretty suffocating there for sure. Yeah, I mean, Evan Evan Prater had seven carries that were were not sacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, they just they couldn't run. They couldn't run it. They couldn't throw it. Yeah, and then they literally couldn't stop the run on defense. So mm-hmm. uh, Cincinnati's actually pretty fortunate that this game wasn't uh, a bigger blowout. Yeah, probably true. Probably true. Louisville twenty four, Cincinnati seven. Uh, by the way, I don't. I, the one other thing I'll mention about this game, I don't know if you remember. Uh, I believe there was a there was a segment at some point. It might have been in the second quarter or something where the broadcast went to go talk to Scott Satterfield. And I feel like when they do these things, a lot of times with these bowl games, it's like, oh, we'll, we'll have the new head coach come up in the booth with us and talk to us. Um, and they did this with Jeff Brom. I think he might have just been on a phone somewhere. But Scott Satterfield looked like he was like in some secret lair, like closet, didn't want to be found anywhere. He was on video. Um, it was it was kind of bizarre to watch. Of like he was in like protective custody. So uh, yeah, it just just added extra weirdness to this game. Yeah, I've. I wish Satterfield had the balls to coach this football game. I know, I know. That would have made it so much better. Louisville 24, Cincinnati 7. Uh, we'll keep moving. I believe this was December 23rd, the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. The Wake Forest, Steeman Deeks 27, Missouri 17. Good win for Wake Forest here. Um, good win. This was, a, this was a good competitive game to watch, and Wake Forest just made, made the most of it in a few big moments. I don't... I don't remember like anything distinctly like one team was really better than the other. Um, just a, a good win by Wake Forest and uh, and, a, and a competitive game, a good in a you know competitive spot. Uh, credit to them and Sam Hartman played in this game despite I think everyone kind of knew he wasn't coming back to Wake at this point. And uh, you know, but they go out and get one for the Gipper and, and knock off an SEC team. And he played well too. Um, mm-hmm. Two hundred and eighty yards and three touchdowns. He played well. Uh, A.T. Perry had a huge game, 116 yards receiving. Uh, Wake's defense had four sacks. It, I mean, this was this was a game. That, you know, Wake went out and just won it. Um, I. It was pretty fun Missouri to watch. I thought it was competitive. Like, yeah, Missouri was in this game the entire way. Mm-hmm. Um, Wake just kind of pulled away. You know, that fourth quarter touchdown was important. So, yeah, this was a good win for Wake Forest. Yep. Yep. Credit to the Deeks. Uh, they finished eight and five. Pretty solid season, I thought. You know, probably could have been better, but um, you know, if if you're Wake Forest at this point, you're finishing eight and five. Like, how are you going to complain about that? Yeah, it could have been worse. I mean, I thought on paper they were probably a nine or ten win team. That's probably where they should have been. Yep, yep. Moving on to December twenty eighth in the Military Bowl, presented by Paraton. Uh, the Duke Blue Devils, 30, UCF, 13. This is a spot we told you. We told you exactly how this was going to go. And boy, did it. Uh, Duke absolutely wanted to be there, took it to UCF. They were up 20-7 to at halftime. UCF just did not look like they really wanted to be in this game. Um, Duke was excited and uh, really took it to them and, and won pretty convincingly, I think. There, there, was just, there seemed like there was a different level of excitement on Duke's sideline throughout this game than what you were seeing from the Knights. We just, we tried to tell you, <laughs> you know, Yep. we tried to tell you. Yep. I mean, UCF had two turnovers here, so that just kind of expedited things, made it a little bit quicker, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. How to, how to die a quicker death against a team that's well coached like Duke. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. John Reese Plumley is not a very good quarterback Mm-mm. and he can't really throw more than like, I don't know, 10 or so yards down the field. <laughs> And Duke's Duke's rushing defense is really, really good. And John Reese Plumley likes to run the ball. He had 14 carries for 21 yards. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's, that's the story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, UCF's best best rusher, Isaiah Bowser, 11 carries, 39 yards. He did have two touchdowns. 11 mm-hmm. carries for 39 yards. He did not run the ball well in this game. Yeah. I mean, UCF finishes with 128 yards on the ground. Sounds okay. It took him 36 carries to get there, uh, so that was less than four yards a carry on the game. That's that's 
uh, a good effort from the Duke defense. And then yep. Duke, by the way, 40 carries for 177 yards. They they ran the ball well here. Riley Leonard, both through the air and on the ground, was uh, was pretty electric for the Duke offense. What he's done all season. Duke's going to be good next year, again, because Riley Leonard's coming back, and he's going to be good. So Duke finishes 9-4. and four. That's, that's incredible to me. Absolutely incredible. I thought they would win three games. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I didn't think they were going to sniff a bowl game, much less finish with nine wins. Um, yeah. Pretty incredible. You know, I, I understand why Sonny Dykes won coach of the year at a national level. Mm-hmm. But yes. boy, Mike Elko damn sure deserved to be a finalist for that. And I mean, just go ahead and write it in pen in the ACC. He, he won ACC's coach of the year and there was not not a second guess of who was going to get that award. I don't think. No, no. I mean, this team. This team on paper had no business finishing with nine wins, including a bowl game mm-hmm. victory. So. Yeah, not at all. Duke 30, UCF 13. And then later that night, the number 15 Oregon Ducks 28, the North Carolina Tar Heels 27. Mike, this game was nuts. It, it was, was insane. It was very back and forth. UNC seems to have remembered how to score in the red zone. Um <laughs> They did struggle a little bit in the second half to punch it in. They they ended up kicking a couple of field goals. Oregon kicks a or a scores a touchdown with 19 seconds left in the game to win. A total heartbreaking situation. UNC had this game won if they could have gotten one more stop, but they could not. So I credit to UNC for a, a hell of an effort here. Um, I, I really did not think this was going to go very well. Uh, I really thought that. Oregon would be able to cover like a two touchdown spread, you know, or certainly it would be something like that. But I mean, UNC had it one until the final minute of the game, basically. So uh, that was, uh, I I was impressed and uh, you know, it's a bummer for UNC that they had to go down that way. I I, I mean, I lost some money here. I bet (laughs) Oregon spread, which I dumb, (laughs) just dumb decision. Uh, I lost some money on bowl games. I <laughs> don't bet the bowl games. Yeah, you know, mm mm mm. You just want to squeeze the last bit of the juice out of college football season, <laughs> and yeah. then you just don't have any money left after that. You know. Yep. Yep. Just tough scene out here. <laughs> uh, this game. This game was nuts. This game was nuts. And you know what? Never bet. Here's the thing, though. Like. If it was on the money line, you just bet Oregon, never in doubt, because you knew Bo Nix, like, three days after announcing he was coming back to school, was playing in this bowl game. Mm-hmm. You knew he was going to have the juice, baby. Mm-hmm. You knew it. You just knew. Yep. And sure enough, he did. Sure. He actually he did. didn't play that great. He actually didn't play that great. And then, like, the, the final drive of the game, he marches him right up the field and does Bo Nix things. And I'm like, oh, okay. Right, <laughs> right. That's good. No, that was – they. They won that game when he was uh, when he was a true freshman at Auburn. That was kind of how they won that game against Oregon to start the year. Was like, yeah, basically doing nothing all the game, you know, the whole game, and then you know pulls a miracle out of his hat in the final minute for a, a touchdown pass to win the game. It was just, yeah, that's Bo Nix things for you. Yeah, so he was in uh, true Bo Nix form. I will <laughs> be placing a small wager. I enjoy losing money, so I'm going to be placing a small wager on him to win the Heisman next year. I hope you do enjoy losing that losing that money. <laughs> yeah, it just you know, could have been a finalist this year. Could have, yeah. This was absolutely a really really great uh, quarterback matchup, by the way, between Bo Nix and Drake May. Um, easily could be two Heisman finalists next year. So yeah, something to keep an eye on. Uh, Oregon twenty eight, North Carolina twenty seven. Uh, moving on to the 29th, we started with the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. As Minnesota won twenty-eight to twenty over our Syracuse Orange, um, my <laughs> lost money on this game as well. Betting Minnesota minus ten and a half. Yeah, we we felt really good about Minnesota in this game. Felt like you know they they were going to run away with this. They were that Syracuse was overmatched. Mike Syracuse outplayed Minnesota pretty comfortably in this game. It's honestly shocking that they lost it. And it sucks for that that team and those fans. They they did not deserve to lose this game at all. They outgained Minnesota four seventy seven to two fifteen. It's just there were just a couple of moments that Syracuse had a couple of pretty critical errors, and Minnesota was able to take advantage. And uh, that was all that all that they needed to uh, to win the game on the scoreboard. 
for example, in the third quarter when it was 14-10, to 10, and Garrett Schrader threw the worst interception in the history of the sport. It was real bad. Oh, it was so bad. And it was like the third or fourth consecutive time they ran that same play. And the DB's like, wait a second. Coleman Bryson, yeah. Maybe I should like, try to second. jump this. I'm going to, yeah. You've run this now three straight plays. Let me just jump this route. And then Schrader, like, tried to pull the ball back, you know? He, like, let it go, but he tried to pull the ball like, back. No, and no, saw no, that. no, no, <laughs> Yeah. And then he fell on his face trying to make the tackle. Not good. I think I, I, I think I like, blurted something out before the defender even caught the ball. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, you could just see what was about to happen. And, uh, yeah, that Scott, was a- – Scott sent the text message and said, oh, my God, did you see that throw? (laughs) (laughs) Yep, it was awful. So so that happens. So he throws a pick six. Syracuse gets the ball back. They go 13 plays, 53 yards, and they end up kicking a 38-yard field goal from about the Minnesota 20-yard line. So that makes it 21 to 13. On the ensuing kickoff, Minnesota runs it back 72 yards to the 25-yard line. And they have a two two play twenty five yard touchdown drive at that point to make it twenty eight to thirteen. Like this is what I'm saying. Like Minnesota struggled to move the ball for a lot of this game. Like had a lot of problems. Um, really only had two good offensive drives, but still got two cheap touchdowns basically by pick six and long kickoff return. So yeah. that that's kind of what made the difference here on the scoreboard. Syracuse could have won this bowl game. They really could have. Credit to that coaching staff for having them like ready to play and, and moving the ball. And I felt like in a lot of ways kind of out coaching Minnesota. PJ Fleck, he does the reverse Rozier thing. Where it's like <laughs> five good games and one head scratcher. Yep, he sure does. He sure does. Minnesota 28, Syracuse 20. Uh, that night it was the Cheez-It Bowl where the number 13 Florida State Seminoles 35, the Oklahoma Sooners 32. Speaking of games we thought might be blowouts and then turned into absolute bangers of games. Um, my goodness, this game was wild, back and forth, lots yeah. of fun. Um, I hope you got a chance to watch this game. Yeah, this game was sick. <clears throat> um, there was a while there I wasn't sure Florida State was going to win the football game, like for most of it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, it, it took about a full three quarters for me to come back around to think, yeah, maybe they'll win this game. It did not yeah. feel like they were going to win. No, it it really didn't. Um, I'll tell you what, though, man. Jordan Travis balled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really good. 27 really for 38 good. for 418, two touchdowns, one pick through the air, another seven carries for 50 yards on the ground. Yeah, he uh, he carried that offense for a lot of this game. He had a couple passes to Johnny Wilson, as he tends to. Mm-hmm. Johnny Wilson, if you want to talk about like player of the bowl season for the ACC, Johnny Wilson going eight for two hundred two. Mm-hmm. He caught a couple of bombs. Yes, a he couple did. of bombs in this football game. I think he almost had a couple more that that I think got knocked away kind of at the last second or something, you know. But yeah, um, yeah, th- he was huge for that Florida State offense. Yeah. Florida State really, really struggled to stop the run in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why Oklahoma hung around. It was just, you know, a few explosive plays in the running game. Dylan Gabriel, I thought, played fine. Um, I was surprised they let Oklahoma hang around. Yeah, like they did. And, and to, I mean, Oklahoma led for a lot of this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, for Florida State to finish this game with six sacks and eleven tackles for loss. They did. See, it, it really kind of felt like it was like they were either hitting Oklahoma in the backfield or Oklahoma was ripping off 10, 12 yards of play. Like it was, yeah. there was not a whole lot of in between, it felt like. Yeah, there was there were a lot of fireworks in this one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this was really fun. Um, honestly, well, I think there's one more we got to talk about that might might have it beat, but otherwise this is probably the, uh, the game of bowl season for the ACC. Um, yeah, I agree. Very, very fun one. So... Good time. Florida State 35, Oklahoma 32. Uh, Three more here for uh, December the 30th. We will start with the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Uh, Maryland 16, the number 23 NC State Wolfpack 12 in a game that really kind of felt like it set college football back a few years. 
this was, you know, there's one thing like defensive football can be fun to watch. This was not defensive football. This was just kind of bad football, Mike. This was rough. This was horrible. This was horrible. This was, uh, you know, you talk about one of the best games of bowl season for the ACC. This was one of the worst games of bowl season, period. Yeah. This was horrible. This was this horrible was not a fun involved. watch. <laughs> everybody everybody was getting fired up because it's the Duke's Mayo Bowl and the coach gets Mayo dumped on him. This was objectively a terrible football game. Horrible mm-hmm. to watch. I couldn't, I couldn't really watch this it was terrible ben finley was bad he had a hard time in this game so did oh. i mean so did talia uh i mean even yeah. talia finishes he, he was one incomplete pass short of 50 percent passing on the day 19 of 37 throws a couple of picks finley threw a couple of picks um uh there was yeah i think those were the main you know those were the turnovers in the game but yeah i mean both of these offenses really had a bad time trying to do anything. And I think I, I will give credit to the NC state defense. I thought they did some, they, they played their tails off and um, really did everything they could to keep NC state in this game and give them a chance to win. But man, there was some serious offensive incompetence on both sides of the both, both sidelines really. I mean, NC state's longest run was five yards. <laughs> oh, geez. They had four different people carry the ball, 18 carries for 27 yards. Should we just like quickly, just just quickly, real quick, just for the people, hit the uh, the drive chart here? Oh God, <laughs> if we must, Scott, you got Yankee sacks queued up. Thank you. Full game drive chart. Here we go. Maryland starts with the ball in the first half. It goes turnover on downs, interception, interception, field goal, field goal, punt, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, touchdown, field goal, punt, 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 field goal, end of half. At that point, it's ten to nine, Maryland. Reminder, final score, 16-12. to 12. So second half, NC State starts with the ball and goes, punt, field goal, punt, 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 interception, field goal, field goal, punt, punt, interception, end of game. Yikes. And even more fun story, I watched most of this. <laughs> wow, you sick bastard. I had this game on the background. I was actually working, I believe. And I had this game on the background. I, yeah. I think there was something else that was on... But it wasn't like the ACC game, so I was like, "Oh, I might as well just you know watch this for research purposes." But uh, man, I don't get paid enough for this I mean, research job. Maryland did not sack <laughs> NC State in this game, and NC State still only ran for twenty-seven yards. Yeah, no sacks. Yeah, not great. Not great. Don't got it. You don't got. You don't got to adjust those rushing stats. <laughs> this was a uh, let's just get this over with and get the hell out of here kind of game. So uh, maybe we do the same. Yeah, yeah, I think we should. Maryland 16, NC State 12. Uh, a couple more. The other candidate for a game of the bowl season for the ACC, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. The Pitt Panthers 37, the number 18 UCLA Bruins 35. What a game. Um, <laughs> UCLA had this thing in the bag. Pitt looked like they, they were kind of dead in the water there uh, midway through the third quarter. And then Pitt <laughs> rips off... What uh, it was? I guess they were they had fourteen. They ripped off twenty points in a row, two touchdowns and two field goals. Take a thirty-four to twenty-eight lead. UCLA scores a touchdown to take a thirty-five to thirty-four lead with thirty-four seconds left. Pitt goes six plays, forty-six yards, and gets a field goal with four seconds left to win this game. What a, a huge comeback for Pitt! And then just a lot of late game uh, drama here. There was some serious back and forth, uh, some shenanigans. There was um, th- uh, th- there was a pick six in here somewhere. Um, I think Dorian Thompson Robinson threw like three interceptions. Uh, that was kind of a mess. Ethan Garbers threw another one for UCLA. This thing was was wild. There was a lot going on here, and um, you know what what a win for Pittsburgh and for the ACC. Oh, God. Is he related to Chase Garbers? Uh-oh. Are there more of them? Are there more interception <laughs> machines? <laughs> there might be. Oh, God. Let's find out. Keep going. I bet he is. I mean, that's that's a very uncommon name. Um, I mean, we joked earlier that uh, Sun Bowl, Nick Patty, might be the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. He completed 20 of his 41 <laughs> passes. <laughs> Almost 50%. Almost 50%, which is good for Nick Patty. Sure, yeah. You know, to be fair, uh, one touchdown, one interception. He also had 
72 yards rushing, so almost 300 <laughs> all-purpose yards for Peppermint Nick. <laughs> UCLA turned the ball over five times in this game. Man. They turned it over five times and still almost won. Mm-hmm. Can I share my experience of the Sun Bowl? Yeah. Watching? Yes. Okay, so I think this is relevant maybe to, to paint the picture of what these Pitt fans were like. So I was out with a friend for lunch. We're out at the local establishment. No big deal. We get there around noon. Again, it's like that weird week in between New Year's. No one's really there. Um, people start coming in about like mid-afternoon time. We were there for a few hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's very clearly a uh, it is a South Carolina uh bar like there's tons of south carolina people because they were playing Notre Dame at the same time it was very clearly a south carolina bar yet the sun bowl was on prior to the that bowl game starting right and there yeah. was a pit fan a grown man with a very authentic kenny pickett jersey who was very adamant that the channel not be changed for the sun bowl <laughs> <laughs> and i just i was just drinking my beer trying to keep it to myself but i <laughs> I just was laughing very, very hard. You didn't go ask him to get a picture with him? I did not. And then when they kicked that field goal to win or whatever happened, he was the loudest person in that bar of about 300 South Carolina fans. And it was hilarious. (laughs) Hell yeah. Hail to Pitt, baby. Um, Pitt finishes 9-4, and by the way. Good year. You know, uh, I'm coming to terms with the fact that, like, we can think what we think about Pat Narduzzi and like you know, yeah, I know. and all this stuff. I don't want to have this conver- I don't want to have this conversation. <sighs> I'll just I, say this: at the end of the day, like, damn, like, <laughs> this is another good year. And at some point, like, what, what can I? Finds a way. What can I say? What can I say? He just find. He just finds a way all the time. Mm-hmm. He just finds a way. Yeah, that he's, is. He's good. That is a legit solid team and a, and a legit yeah. solid program that he's put together every year. Yep, every year. Absolutely. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. <laughs> really. This is where we might insert that uh that Jesse Pinkman. He can't keep getting away with it. Meme. Yeah. Well, he does. He does. It, maybe he's a good coach. I knew you were going there too, and I just didn't want to go there. But we had to. <laughs> we did. We did. Pitt thirty seven, UCLA thirty five. Last one. This one was a. I thought a largely a snoozer here, Mike. The Capital One Orange Bowl, uh, number six Tennessee thirty-one, number seven Clemson fourteen. Uh, not yeah. not a snoozer as much because like well Clemson lost, but just like I felt like it 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 was pretty apparent in the first half. Like Clemson did not have it in this game, at least on offense. Like they were not moving the ball well at all. Um, they they did okay. I, I will say this: they were moving the ball, but they. <laughs> To borrow a term that uh, I believe Ari Wasserman really likes to use, Clemson was absolutely playing some grab ass in the, in the first half trying to finish drives. Um, their first four drives, they the first one they called it a turnover on downs. They tried to fake a field goal where they yeah. they ran like an option thing with Dabo's son, and he probably should have pitched the ball. It probably would have been there if he had done it, but he didn't. He held it, and uh, they, I think they lost yardage on the on the fourth down. Yeah. So there was that. Uh, and then B.T. Potter misses three field goals, one from 55, one from 49, and one from 42. Um, a guy who has been – B.T. <laughs> B.T. Notter, you know. Exactly. Um, hardly know her. But, I, you know, a guy who has been incredibly reliable – and misses three straight field goals on three straight drives. You start wondering, like, why do you send him back out there? Well, they did send him back out there, and he hit a 31-yard field goal on the next drive. So, but you know, finishing drives with field goals and such, with the way that Tennessee's offense is going, um, probably not going to win you the game. And uh, they they really did not have a chance to win this game in a lot of ways. So, I don't know. I thought Kate Klubnick played hard, but was clearly not like a one-man solution to what has ailed Clemson's offense. Um, yeah, this just never really felt like a game that Clemson was going to come back and win, and uh, they they end up losing by seventeen. I'm looking forward to the Joe Milton experience of Tennessee <laughs> next year. It seems like they might have uh, got him a little bit dialed in. You know, I I don't. He was a little less uh, wildly inaccurate than we have seen him in the past. Yep. If yep. If they can keep that thing under control for for a lot of mm-hmm. next season, yeah. Uh, there is a there there is some damage that can be done with with him at quarterback. Yeah, 
Yeah, he's got quite the fastball. Yes, he does. He will. Uh, yeah, he'll he'll throw it through you on on a little little angle route out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. He'll put it on you. Yeah. Yeah, he, slant route. He does not have a changeup. He does not have a breaking ball. He has about a hundred and three mile an hour fastball, and it is coming at you every time. Screen pass. I was gonna say fastball. Like I was gonna say it's <laughs> yeah. His his touch pass is a slower fastball. He uh, <laughs> he chucks that thing around, buddy. Yes, yes, he does. Um, it's it's wild to watch, honestly. Um, yeah, I think I turned this game off at halftime. Honestly, I was like, I'm. I've seen enough yeah. from Clemson. Like this is not not an easy watch. It's not going well. Um, they turned it over a couple times. Tennessee Tennessee did look a little bit more fired up to be there than than Clemson did, and um, so there there was that as well. I'll throw that out there. But which I was a little surprised about, given how Tennessee season kind of went down the drain in November. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm surprised that they they yeah. got back up and you know they they were uh, they were fired up with the way that things were trending, and then you know you lose to South Carolina, and then. You know things. Things don't end up the where you where you thought they might, and uh, you know. But anyways, Tennessee thirty one, Clemson fourteen. High pull, damn good hire, man. Yeah, that's working out way better than I thought it would. Honestly, we were all, yeah. I mean, everybody made fun of it because he was Danny White's boy. Mm-hmm. This is working out. This is the best coach Tennessee's had since Fulmer. Yeah, that's probably true. It's hilarious. Yep. Yep. Mike, the ACC finishes. I believe it was six and four. In bowl games, uh, six and three actually. Um, you had one, two, three, four. Wait, five. How many was it? Pitt, Florida State, Duke, Wake, and Louisville. Okay, so we had five wins, four losses, five and four in bowl games. Um, honestly, better than I thought they would do, and um, an improvement on prior years. So that's good on the ACC. I mean, you and I were trying really hard during the previews, like. Not to make fun of the ACC teams and all these matchups, <laughs> yeah. so it went way better than we expected. Yes, yeah, definitely an improvement on you know what what I was expecting and what we've seen in re- recent years. So credit to uh, the conference for for getting it done this year. Obviously, a lot of context that can be thrown in, and at some point, who really cares? But um, you know, it's kind of nice going through bowl season and seeing some some wins from our teams. So good stuff. Yep, Mike, that's all I got. Anything else that we need to talk about before we? Uh, resume parenting duties when are we recording next i don't know depends on when stuff happens um we had talked about doing something probably around signing day in february um i think i still owe the people a final grade on the brent key hire so uh, maybe we we get together talk signing day talk about brent key and, and that staff a little bit and um, hit on any other news that is uh, very likely to come up here in the next few days but um yeah maybe we aim for sometime in early february Okay. Does that work? That works. Great. I'll see you there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's work on getting out of here. Um, in the meantime, y'all can come find us on on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SI. Together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Um, by the way, you can find us on YouTube where we officially reached 100 subscribers. Um, thank you all so much for your support and, and getting us there. That was uh, something that we really tried to achieve throughout the year, and uh, we, we could not have done it without you, our, our loyal listeners. So we really appreciate all of your support for that. Yes. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Yeah. yeah. We are push, st- push, push. We got it. Yes, we did. We did. We are still, for the moment, uh, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast, but we will be, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll resolve that here soon. Maybe by the time we get to the next episodes, we'll have an actual formal permanent url for you that you can go uh watch us on youtube if you so choose yes we are on itunes we're on spotify if you just prefer the audio format uh, we're on amazon music all those good places go find us there hit that subscribe button uh, tell your friends we appreciate those who do um we are uh where where else are we on the social medias mike i haven't done this in a while i'm a little rusty where are we in the social medias uh facebook uh, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review find some of our podcasts there instagram as well at bc podcast acc yeah do that do it for the gram mike we uh you can also send us emails we have an email address still it's the longest email address known to man it is basketball conference podcast at gmail.com yes nailed it 
and now that it is the off season, we are definitely looking for content ideas and anything. If you if y'all send us emails, we will answer them this time. We should do team recaps. We should. We do need to do that if uh, you know whenever we have time. Okay, perfect. Uh, there's some content. Yes, there is. Yeah, there's some stuff we got to get into. One of the first ones likely involves bringing our, our buddy Cam on because uh, there's he's asked. Yeah, there is some stuff that uh, we should dive into with him. That'd be fun. Yes. We should do that. Yes. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else? No, I think we're good. We'll come back and uh, talk more ACC football stuff here in the offseason as we uh, continue to record and provide the people with content. Yeah, somehow we're in the offseason again. This keeps happening. Yeah, that went quick. It goes quick. The world turns. (laughs) That's right. Time flies when you're having fun and not sleeping. Um, Dying a little bit more every day. That's right. That's right. All right, Mike. Have a, a good couple of weeks here, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Yes. All right. Sounds good. Oh, that sounds like your kid. Sure does. I got to run. <laughs> See you later. See you guys. All right. For that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, and for producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.